0: on Diamondbacks Podcast, They're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we are discussing Rookie of the Year and Manager of the Year. We'll be breaking down the final. Giving the case for each contestant, each finalist, and then I'm gonna be giving my thoughts on who I think should win each award. So it's gonna be a jam packed pod as always. And if you wanna see more of my thoughts, just follow me on Twitter at creatorToms24 for my personal account, which is the lookup locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. I promise I will be more active on Instagram soon. I'm terrible at social media. I do not post enough, so please, people, get on my ass to post more. And and one more thing. Thank you for making Lockdown On Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you, the listener, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, listening to the pod, doing all that. The podcast is, of course, free and available on all platforms, so please continue to share with your friends. But now... Let's jump into the podcast, breaking down Rookie of the Year and Manager of the Year. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Lockdown Back still here. And let's break it. Let's break down the Rookie of the Year conversation. Let's first start with the National League, of course. Three finalists for every category. You got Dylan Carlson, outfielder, St. Louis Cardinals. Jonathan India, second base, Cincinnati Reds. Trevor, pitcher, Miami Marlins. And let's first start with Dylan Carlson, who outfielder for the car for the Cardinals, started 145 games for them this season. And a lot of the stats and research today, courtesy of MLB.com, who had a lot of great tidbits. So Carlson can be the, I don't even know, but he can join basically uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis Jr. So I guess that's three other players in this exclusive club of players 22 or younger to qualify for the batting title. It's really not as impressive when you really think about what that means. It just means... Players under 22 who have played enough games to qualify for the title. They're not saying his batting average is good enough to actually qualify for it. His batting average is not good enough to win the batting title. He's just played enough games to actually qualify for the batting title. But overall... What are those Carlson numbers you ask? Well, 117 OPS plus, 31 doubles, 18 home runs, 266 average, 780 OPS. It was just an overall really good, really solid campaign by Carlson. And he can be the second rookie of the year winner to Albert Pujols in a Cardinals uniform over the last 35 years. And when you compare Carlson to other teammates on his team, he had a 3.2 war, which was the sixth best among position players on his team. And he was a guy that was pretty productive with runners in scoring position. I think that was one of the strengths of his game. 93 at-bats, 264 average, 832 OPS. He was 30th in the National League in walk percentage. 36th in extra base hit percentage, so he, he's basically a top 30, 35-ish guy in walks and extra base hits, which is very important. I mean, that's basically your OPS, so you know he's going to be a top 35-ish guy as he gets better, as he continues to improve, but for rookie of the year, those numbers are still pretty impressive, and in the second half of the season, he had a 277 average and an 847 OPS, and I bring up the second half because I think second half is really important when looking at these awards i think the second half is way more important than the first half because the baseball season is so long it's easy to get off to a hot start when so many players in the league are still adjusting pitchers are still adjusting everything is still up in flux i think by the second half of the season that's really tells me what kind of player you are after teams have seen you multiple times pitchers might have seen you multiple times uh there's a bigger scouting report on you so i care about the second half of the season more than the first half and dylan carlson did better in the second half than the first half of the season. But how does his campaign compare with the other two, you ask? Well, Jonathan India, 269 average, three three 376 OBP and a 459 slugging, 34 doubles, 21 home runs and 12 steals. He played 150 games. And if you look at... Uh, Among qualifying players, he finished fifth in the National League in on-base percentage, which makes sense because he had the 13th best walk percentage in the National League, so way better than Dylan Carlson's, and he was 31st in extra base hit percentage as well, so He was getting an extra base hit a little bit more than the Dylan Carlson, and he walked tremendously more. And India would be the first Reds rookie of the year since pitcher Scott Williamson in 1999, and their first position player since Chris Sabo in '88. So India can do some impressive things, some historic things in a Reds uniform. And if you look at that first half versus second half split, India. 804 OPS in the first half, 860 OPS in the second half. And I think this is probably going to be the biggest reason why he might win this award. I'll tell you who I think should win it at the end after I make the case for all three. But this is going to be the stat that probably changes tides. Because when you think of modern baseball, what's the most important stat? War wins above replacement. And Jonathan India led his team position players in war. So that's going to be a big a cap in his hat? What's the term? I always forget these terms once the camera comes on, but that's gonna be the biggest feather in his cap, I believe, is the phrase, the cliche that people like to say. So Jonathan India is probably probably the front runner for rookie of the year, but it's not over yet because we got one more guy, one more finalist, and that is Trevor Rogers, pitcher for the Miami Marlins, and he was pretty lights out his rookie campaign, two six four ERA, third lowest by a rookie with at least one hundred and thirty innings pitched since two thousand. The only players who did better are Jose Fernandez, former Miami Marlin, and of course it's former because R. I. P. Fernandez, a phenomenal pitcher, gone too soon. Uh, that was in 2013. Walker Bueller in 2018. Funny enough, not that long ago, had a lower ERA as a rookie. So, the pitcher for the Marlins, Trevor Rogers, only allowed more than two earned runs in 22 of his 25 starts. Or excuse me, yeah, I, let me say that again because I think I butchered that stat. In only three of his starts this year, maybe that's a better way to say. It. In only three of his starts this year, he allowed more than two earned runs. Like Trevor Rogers, when he was pitching. His team was in the ball game and they were most likely winning. He kept his team competitive year, uh, game in, game out. And I was really impressed, especially from a Marlins team that was kind of dead in the water, not really that competitive overall. Trevor Rodgers made them competitive, so I like him overall, and it wasn't a flimsy ERA either. 10.6 strikeouts per nine, a 1.15 whip, and a 255 fielding independent pitching stat FIP 255. Pretty phenomenal and if you look at his stats with men on the bases 205 average against 555 OPS against when men were on the bases and his 3.5 war was second on the team among pitchers so Trevor Rogers did I say Rogers with a W Trevor Rogers with an R definitely is deserving of the award as well he could be the Marlins fifth rookie of the year Rookie of the Year award winner since 03 and the third pitcher since Fernandez and Dontrell Willis to win it. But is he deserving? Should he win the Rookie of the Year award, Trevor Rogers? Well, the person I would give my vote to is gonna be Jonathan India, which is not a big surprise. I think he was the best rookie from start to finish. He led his team in war and he seemed to get better as the season went on. I think second, I would have Rogers here because I don't think that Marlins team is even any uh the Marlins team might have the number 1 pick right now if they didn't have Trevor Rogers he basically i mean when you only give up more than 2 earned runs in 3 of your 25 starts like yeah your team's going to be in way more ball games than they might have even expected so Trevor Rogers what he did this year, I think he should be second among rookie of the years. But Jonathan India, he was arguably the best Cincinnati right I don't think he was because I think Cassianos in a winker was better. But if you're all about the advanced stats, if you're all about war, according to that stat, Jonathan India was their best player. So I'm going to give him the rookie of the year award. And there was a little period where Rogers seemed to maybe not be as effective closer down the stretch. He only had 25 starts as well compared to a Jonathan India. Played 150 games. I think India was just a little bit more available for his team as well. So to wrap it up, Jonathan India is going to be the NL Rookie of the Year because Miller Thomas said so. Now, we'll talk about the American League Rookie of the Year, but this episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I love Thanksgiving. I love all the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert but isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Bilt Bars. Bilt Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most bill bars are only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with the coconut bill bar. Or go for a raspberry bill bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, but high protein. Cover it in, of course, 100% real chocolate. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar too. Share some at your family gatherings; it'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. Like new surprises all month, limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar; Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast, and let's discuss the NL or excuse me, the AL Rookie of the Year, because we already did the NL, because I told you Jonathan India was going to win it, but who is going to win the American League? Well, we got Randy Razzarina, outfielder, Tampa Bay Rays. I'm sure you know who that is. I'm sure you know Wander Franco, shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays got two candidates, two finalists on this list, and then you got Luis Garcia, pitcher for the Astros, and let's first start with the Arena, who maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but I was surprised to see not, you know, when the finalists came out because I already knew this, but I was surprised to see maybe at the halfway point that Randy Razzarina still had his rookie eligibility. And because of that, it's kind of unfair because he did play a little bit in 2019. He played a little bit in 2020 and he played a lot in the 2020 postseason. where he had one of the greatest runs in postseason history. So it feels a little fluky that he's a finalist, but the rules are the rules. And the 26 year old retained his rookie eligibility in 2021 and it was for the better for at least the tampa bay rays because he was pretty pretty productive for them this past season one of 10 players that put together a 2020 season which is of course 20 home runs and 20 steals he could be the fourth raised rookie of the year evan longoria won in 08 jeremy Hellickson, if you can remember that name i think he I have to go back and check, but I think he might have played for the D-backs for a little bit. Sorry, D-backs fans, if I do or do not know that, if I got it or got it right or wrong, I am sorry that I even put it out there in the atmosphere. Jeremy Helixson, though, 2011, won Rookie of the Year, and then Will Myers, who who won in 2013 and who I love to give a lot of crap about, especially when I'm talking to Javi because I think he's a pretty overrated player. Don't tell Javi Reyes of Lockdown Padres that, but he could be the fourth raised rookie to win it, but... When you look at his numbers, he, of course, was phenomenal for the Rays. I mean, he, he was very good for them. But one number that I don't like for a Raz is... Even though he had 20 stolen bases, he led the American League and caught steals with 10. So maybe he shouldn't go as much because he's not of uh, not as effective of a threat on the base passes as he might think in his head. But still, uh, I'm not going to hate on a dude to, that stole 20 bases because I'm the guy that pounds the desk. We need more stolen bases in baseball. We need more steals. And I'm going to shout out anyone who even gets you 20 steals because in today's age, that's a lot. But Again, a Rosarena, first half, 251 average, 733 OPS. Second half, though, 308 average, over 900 OPS. This is someone that got better as the season went on. If you look at his numbers with runners and scoring position, 262 average, 803 OPS and hundred. 103 at bats, and his 4.2 war was second on the team among position players. rosarina even though it's not as fair to some of the other finalists, because he's he already seems like a veteran. Uh he, he still qualifies and he was still super impactful for his team. Second on the team in war, he deserves to be a finalist because the rules are the rules, but Wander Franco, I might have more of an issue with him being a finalist than a Rosarino. Maybe they couldn't find a third guy, but he was very good. Don't get me wrong. Wander Franco was a stud when he played because in his debut season, he tied Frank Robinson's ALNL record for most consecutive games, reaching base with 43 games. It's insane. He's going to have a shot to win it. He's going to have a shot to be one of eight players to potentially win rookie of the year before his 21st birthday which would be insane wander franco 3.5 war was fifth on the team among position players but my biggest issue with wander franco why i don't think he's super deserving even though he was a stud and he balled out don't get me wrong he's a stud player he only played 70 games like he played literally half the season like at at that point then zion should have won rookie of the year after 25 games like wander franco even though he only played, six, even though he was phenomenal this year, eight ten OPS, seven home runs. I don't think the seventy games is enough for me. So I'm gonna tell you right now, Wander Franco is third for my AL Rookie of the Year finalist ballot behind a Rosarino and Garcia. But let's make the case for Garcia because it's gonna come down to him and Randy. And Garcia was very important for the Houston Astros. Twenty four years old. 155 in a 155 in a third innings pitch, 28 starts, 3.48 ERA, 123 ERA+. plus. He struck out 167 batters. He led all major league rookies, all of them, in innings, wins and strikeouts and he was super important could be the second Astros to win Rookie of the Year in the last 3 seasons. Jordan Alvarez won it in 2019. No Houston pitcher has ever won, but Garcia His numbers are pretty good, too, outside of the traditional numbers. 9.7 strikeouts per nine, 1.178 whip, 363 FIP. His 2.6 war was second on the team among position, or excuse me, among pitchers. And his 214 average against and 661 OPS against with men on is pretty damn good, too. Not as good as Trevor Rodgers, but pretty damn good, too. So the case for him versus Randy is pretty damn close. I mean, the Astros were... One of the best teams in baseball, and the Rays were one of the best teams in baseball. But I'm going to – this one was really tough for me. This one was really, really tough for me. I went back and forth, and I went against my heart. My heart wanted Garcia, but my head said Randy Arozarena Arena because – even though I feel like it's not fair that he already played some in 2019, 2020, a lot in the postseason, already feels like he's got his sea legs under him. He was, I think, slightly more important to his team than a Luis Garcia. He seemed to be a spark plug for that offense, he seemed to be just a little bit more valuable. And when we look at the Rays lineup, I don't think it's very scary. razzarina was the only player on that team to Have at least a 270 average at 800 OPS and play 140 games like that lineup is not that scary. When you tell me Mitch Hanniger might be your second best player in your lineup. Kyle Seeger might be your third or Mike Zunino. Like it's not a very scary lineup. So uh, excuse me. I think I was just naming Mariners players. I wasn't even naming the, the Rays lineup. I don't know why I had the Mariners lineup on my mind. I guess it was the research I was doing before this. Uh, for the manager of the year, looking at the Mariners team for the manager of the year award. So disregard what I just said with Mitch Haniger and uh, Kyle Seeger, but either way, the point still stands. Randy Rosarita, only player in the race, 270 average, 800 OPS, 140 games played. That team did not have... The, even though they put up a lot of runs, I think it was more of a team offense than, you know, having a core four guys that can just smash your way to one of the top teams, one of the top run scoring teams in the league. So because of that, Randy Razzarina, even though you seem like a veteran already, I think you're the most deserving for AL Rookie of the Year. But is it is extremely, co- extremely close with a Luis Garcia because I don't think that Astros rotation is as dominant as it was when it had a Verlander, a Cole, and a Grinke all clicking at once. Like McCullers was the best pitcher in that rotation this season. and He's very good, but Garcia was probably their number two, number three starter, and that's very important as well. So if it goes to your Garcia, I won't be surprised, but I think Randy Orozarena is going to come home with the AL Rookie of the Year award. Now, we'll talk about manager of the year. It'll be a little bit quicker as we go through all six cases for both leagues. But this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LockedOn to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. But now, Let's get back into the pot and let's discuss the manager of the year. We're first going to start with the American League. The three manager of the year finalists, Dusty Baker of the Astros, Kevin Cash of the Rays, and Scott Survey of the Mariners. And let's first start with Dusty Baker, who has won three NL manager of the year awards in 93, 97, 2000 with the Giants. He's trying to join Tony La Russa and Bobby Cox as the only four-time winners and he's gonna have a good case his team spent 118 days at the top of the american league division so dusty baker he is no slouch he's a guy who feels like he's pretty deserving of a world series it's been something that's kind of escaped him i wish dusty baker could go get a world series that doesn't feel tainted where he could get his respect i'm still praying for dusty baker he's probably my favorite manager among all the finalists but let's move on and let's make the case for kevin cash now who is coming off he is the reigning al manager of the year and he led the Rays to an al best 162 record and also franchise best record the first time they won 100 games they were great last season in the Shore in 2020 campaign, trying to win AL Manager of the Year again. They won the division back-to-back years, which is really tough. And playing in the AL East with those four 90-plus win teams is going to be a great case and a great Feather in the hat of a Kevin Cash, but Scott Survey, Seattle Mariners, he's going to have a pretty good case as well because no one expected the Mariners to be in postseason contention to the final weekend of the season, but that's what happened. They just missed the wild card, but it's okay because the team won 90 games for the first time since 03. I'm sure it's not okay to Mariners fans. I'm sure they would have liked to make the postseason, but still basically the best campaign in the last 18 years. And when I look at those three in the American League, who do I think is most deserving? I really wish I could give it to a Dusty Baker, but I'm actually going to go against the grain of my normal logic and give it to a Scott survey of the Mariners. Normally, I would say the Mariners missed the postseason, so that should automatically disqualify Scott before a team with the longest active playoff drought. Let me say that again. Longest active playoff drought in the four major American League sports. I got to give it to Scott for keeping his team in contention till the last moment of the regular season. The American League was loaded in the wild card race. I mean, you had the American League. Basically, the American League East was trying to just lock up the wild card race by themselves, and they did with the Yankees and the Red Sox making it, but they had the Blue Jays win 90 games. The Mariners were right there. This is a team that... Had their best season since 03, and when you look up and down that lineup, like I was saying before my earlier point, Mitch Hanniger is maybe your best player, Kyle Seager, Mike Zunino, like, that lineup was not very good for Scott. He only had two position players with an OPS above 750, and only two starters with at least 150 innings pitched, and only one starter with an ERA below 3.9, so this was really a pretty mediocre team like there was some talent there was some guys that could get you 30 plus home runs some guys that could strike out some people but overall not a very good team at all in terms of talent so the fact that Scott got that team 90 wins and potentially the wild card spot i think is a dub within itself so Scott you are winning the AL manager of the year because Miller Thomas said so but How about the National League? We got three finalists, of course, Craig Council, Gabe Kapler, Mike Schilt. Council Brewers, Kapler Giants, Schilt Cardinals. And Craig Council, he's been in this spot before. Three of the last four years, he's finished as a finalist. And he finished runner-up twice during that time. So he's trying to finally win it. And the Brewers were a team, 90-plus wins in the mix the whole season. They were a serious World Series contender. I thought they were the dark horse in the American League, and they kind of left a nasty taste in my mouth because they didn't do as good as I thought they were going to do with that front line rotation of Woodrow Burns and Freddie Peralta. Like, the three finalists could have been the Brewers' uh, staff, their rotation. So, for Craig Council... The Brewers had a great season. We don't count the postseason. And it's probably playing into my mind a little bit. But I I was disappointed with the Brewers in the postseason. That doesn't play into the Manager of the Year award for Craig Council. So we won't use my bias as a reason as to why Craig Council should or shouldn't win uh, Manager of the Year. But I will tell you, I don't think he has as strong of a case as these next two guys. Because next up is Gabe Kapler of the Giants who somehow somehow got that team to a franchise best 107 wins we talked about teams that don't seem to have the talent that matches their record the Giants are the number one case for that because you needed a resurgent season from a Crawford a Brandon Belt a Buster Posey to win 107 games and they were able to do that and keep the Dodgers on their heels the whole season the Giants finished with a 20 21 and 5 record down the stretch to win the division and lock it up so Gabe Kapler Tip my hat to you for the YouTube stream because I love what you did with the Giants this year, and thank you for keeping the Dodgers out of first place for the first time in what feels like a thousand years. So, thank you for that, Gabe Kapler. And then, last but not least, Mike Schilt of the Cardinals. Cardinals had a historic stretch to end the season, they railed off 17 straight wins in September to secure the second NL wildcard spot. They were just 71 and 69, so you got to give Schilt some credit for that. But I guess the reason why maybe he should automatically be disqualified for this award, even though he's a finalist, is because the Cardinals fired him. Like, can you win manager of the year after being fired? I'm pretty sure Dwayne Casey was fired from the Raptors and then won coach of the year. So I think it's been done before. Schilt has won in 2019 manager of the year. So it wouldn't be his first time winning the awards. It's not like he needs it for his ego or anything like that. But... To win the award after being fired would be pretty insane, but my answer is already locked up and solidified because I'm giving it to Gabe Kapler. You... Kept the Dodgers on your heels the whole season. You won the division. And I don't think you even have the talent to win 107 games. Like, you look at that rotation. It's a it's a Luke Webb. It's a Del Scafani. You look at the lineup. You need Busch Posey to be back to an MVP. Brandon Crawford. Evan Gorio's making noise in the first half of the season. Mike Yastrzemski didn't even have a good year for one. So, because of all that, yes, they acquired a Chris Bryant at the deadline. But even before that, they were winning games. So, Gabe Kapler... I think you should win NL Manager of the Year because I don't think your team is as talented as a lot of the teams we've mentioned today. And you still won a major league best 107 games. Gabe Kapler, you are the NL Manager of the Year. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. This podcast is not possible without you, so thank you. Go make your second listen. Locked on MLB prospects are Arm Layton, who will be on the podcast tomorrow to discuss some d prospects, break down their farm system from the past year, and I want to give get his thoughts on the Cy Young finalists and the MVP finalists so it should be a great podcast we're armed tomorrow please come back tomorrow and of course as always stay safe and stay healthy out there. Nooses.